0: and you're listening to a little too quiet the ferndale library podcast brought to you by the friends of the ferndale library my name is jeff milo and joining me on the podcast today is sheila lal and fatima Haq. they are the co-facilitators of the unerased book club Sheila and Fatima are friends from their time at the University of Michigan, and it was Sheila who founded this book club while she was on campus over there in Ann Arbor about three years ago. The goal was to start building community through the readings of and discussions of books by Asian-American authors, because these are stories that need to be told. These are stories that need to be heard. Representation on the page matters. That should really go without saying But throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even 2000s, it was rather difficult for Asian American authors to be breaking through into the mainstream and getting support from, say, big publishing houses like Penguin Random House. But you are seeing that now, you're seeing that change. And this book club is here to celebrate that, to celebrate that there are more opportunities now for Asian American authors, authors who have ties back to Sri Lanka, India, Japan, They've been reading a range of books from fiction to mystery, to graphic novels, to nonfiction, and everything in between. We're going to be linking, of course, to their website where you can find more information, on ErasedBookClub.com. This is a book club that now has members and readers from all across the world, but it was started right here in Michigan. And now Sheila is based here in Ferndale, where this podcast is produced. So, of course, we wanted to be talking to them. And they see this book club as just this great way to connect with people and then nurture our capacity for empathy and find these ways to connect and relate, not just to the protagonists, but to the fellow participants in the book club as we are discussing these books. And as I said, Sheila founded this book club, but then Fatima joined as a co-facilitator and then brought in this opportunity to partner with a great nonprofit called Rising Voices. And we're going to start off our discussion with uh, a bit of their origin story and a bit more about Rising Voices. We'll also be talking about some of the books and authors that they have read, including the August selection, as well as the September selection. So here's our chat with the Unerased Book Club.
1: Hello all listeners from across the country and hopefully the world. Um, My name is Sheila Lal. Uh, I'm a Ferndale resident, and I actually started this book club Mm -hmm. in 2018 um, while I was a grad student at the University of Michigan. Um, I saw that there was a huge gap in Asian-American literature and Pacific Islander readership as well, and uh, was exposed to the idea of Well-Read Black Black Woman or Well-Read Black Girl, uh, which is a book club centering black female authors. Mm And I thought, wow, what an awesome model. And I think something like that could exist for readers who want to explore Asian American and Pacific Islander authors as well. And so I was able to like draft it up and initially started with people meeting in person. And it was a pretty slow first two years between me being in grad school and um, recognizing that people just don't meet up in person with strangers. right? So um, in 2020, at the start of the pandemic, I realized it was an opportunity to kind of fill in a gap of intentional socializing and feeling a little bit more connected to others, again, through literature. And that's when uh, the book club really, really got going. So uh, we host two different uh, book club hangs every month to talk about the books. Um, We do work with libraries and Fatima and I work on curating a list of books that represent the diversity of stories, the diversity of writing uh, styles, and also the different like immigrant stories or like, second, third, fourth generation stories that we have, uh, with also the understanding that we want these the choices that we make to be as accessible as possible. So I cross-reference uh, the Columbia, Missouri library system, the Burndale system, Ann Arbor, Detroit, anywhere that like me and my partner have lived. Uh, to get a sense of how accessible the books really are, to make sure that as many people uh, can read these books as possible. Uh, So, or listen to them uh, if they're an audio book form. So uh, that's kind of the gist of the book club. Um, And I'll throw it over to Fatima to talk about the partnership.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Fatima Hawk. I am the president of of the board of Rising Voices. um, Our C3 side, which is uh, the nonpartisan side of things. Uh, We are an organization in Michigan that's been created to uplift Asian American women and families through civic participation, organizing youth leadership and education. We're committed to building power among the Asian American community and recognizing that Michigan has a very large and growing Asian American population and we want them to be fully engaged civically and have a role in the decisions that impact their lives. And so the Unirace Book Club is just another way for us to build community, not just with other Asian Americans, but really it's for anyone who's interested in learning more about Asian American um, stories and writers. So I personally have learned a lot just from being in this book club and uh, learning about all the different ethnicities, um, these the histories, the stories, the Uh, Creative arts, the different forms of storytelling, Uh, and so it's been really nice to see parts of myself reflected in these books, as well as stories of people that I'm also connecting with on a regular basis through our organization.
0: Isn't it also just refreshing in general to be connecting with people? We book clubs might sound like an antiquated thing that our parents or our grandparents participated in, and yet here we are inundated with social media, we can start to feel disconnected from one another. Setting aside all the important and profound and and, and enlightening conversations that you can start with this book club. It's just gotta feel good to connect, right? Especially after a pandemic, you know? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Even during,
1: um, I didn't realize how many people were clamoring for a space to talk about things that they don't necessarily get to talk about with their friend groups or with their work or their colleagues or whatnot. Um, And so, the book club, I mean, the people who show up, they show up. Yeah. Like we have. I would say like 90% of our participants show up every single month. And that's incredible to have that type of retention. And even, I mean, we're seeing a little bit of slowdown with summer and people surely like come from going outside and socializing. But the fact that people still show up when they are vaxxed and can go outside and like hang out with their friends. Right. Is kind of a testament to the power of, like you said, just having a space to hang out virtually and talk with people on shared values or like shared experiences.
0: Right. The book is the connector. The book is the conversation starter. Yeah, absolutely. Can you, and here's another broad question for the both of you that's very vague and general and open-ended, but I feel like why this book club is important goes without saying, but could you answer personally why it was important to you to start it, why it was important to you to join it, why it was important to you to to keep it going?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I have like, it's been a long journey of coming into like my personal identity, my political identity, et cetera, but those two are really interwoven and I now identify as like Asian American subsection, South Asian American. And a lot of that is because I chose to read a little bit outside of my comfort zone by reading other immigrant or just Asian American Pacific Islander experiences and I wanna really credit actually black authors with providing that avenue to other um, uh, communities of color and immigrant stories. Uh, I know Fatima has a similar perspective, a little, a little different, but similar, where because I wanted to learn about black American experiences and black experiences, I read black authors and then realized that there was indigenous authors that were accessible mm-hmm. to me and Latino authors that were accessible to me. And I realized a the huge gap in my own understanding of self is asian american authors Mm -hmm. and and, um not just reading specifically indian i'm indian american you can't say me because of the podcast but uh instead of reading just indian american authors why not expand my understanding of what it means to be in this large large census defined community by reading those stories too and um in the past five years we have seen a huge increase i mean not like Substantial in the greater scheme of publishing, but a huge increase in published Asian American and Pacific Islander authors. I was like, what was this when I was growing up? This is cool. <laughs> why well, did it take me until I was like 27, 28 years old to like finally start reading more authors who have like similar like experiences like to me? And by doing so and like being really intentional about the types of lists we curate for the, the annual like book club release. I get to read so many different types of stories and because there's so many that are like, because I'm actively looking, that means I get to actually say, ah, I'm, I'm okay without without other people reading and talking about this. But like I get to be discerning and I get to say like, ah, this is not the type of story that I want to talk about, which is right. kind of cool that you have so many that you can be choosy. But that's why it means a lot to me is because it, I get to read just very different things and expand the way that I see myself.
2: For me, it's been um, a journey into uh, seeing myself and seeing stories of people like myself um, there. I was a Asian studies major as an undergrad. I lived in South Asia in Bangladesh specifically for four years as an adult and I worked there. Um, I grew up in Bangladesh as well. And uh, um, I grew up in a predominantly Bangladeshi American community in Detroit. And so all around me, I saw people uh, like living life and living culture, but I didn't see that reflected in the things that I was reading Mm -hmm. or the media that I was consuming. You know, even today, the number of Asian American leads on television is so few. We're starting to see a little bit of an increase in that, but it's not very much. So representation has always mattered to me. And anytime I got access to any of it, I devoured it. I remember in high school reading like Brick Lane and Lahiri, you know, Monica Ali's Brick Lane and uh, Jim Hiri's works. And those were the only options available. So to find a space where there were lots of different stories, lots of different authors, and so many different genres, right? So at this book club, we read graphic novels, we read fiction, nonfiction, essays, uh, memoirs, uh, you know, of like Also, um, slightly academic work, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, Priya Parker's How Do We Gather, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of these were just mediums to connect and to see each other. But really, ultimately, what keeps me coming back to it is the community and connecting with people and having those conversations and being like, oh, right, like there are other people out there. And in some ways, I think for me, it's politicized me even further because it's made me question a lot of systemic things, right? So if we're reading a book around immigration, if we're reading a book around social class, or um, we're reading a book about the effects of war, um, you know, and American imperialism in different places, we get to actually kind of question what's happening around us every day. And that's part of why it also fits in with Rising Voices in that we really want people to think about um, how what we're reading can help us make sense of what's happening all around us and possibly even show us a way to be more engaged.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What, Can you maybe take us back, Sheila? Was it Dragonfish was the first book that you first ever picked for this? Yeah. Do you remember, yeah. I guess, do you remember those early days? Do you remember thinking like, uh, how am I gonna do this? Is this gonna work? What's the first right book? Did you stress over no. that at all?
1: No. Okay, no. Good. <laughs> So I should also contextualize that I went to business school and there's a certain amount of unearned confidence that comes with that. <laughs> <And> so, uh, <laughs> what we, what we learn uh, in MBA programs is learn fast, fail fast. There you go. So I figured, okay, this doesn't work. We'll figure out another iteration. Um, the books themselves aren't what's going to matter as much as the type of engagement and the ways that we communicate the value of having these different types of books. Right. So then I, short like the dragonfish was one of the initial ones it was one of the first pieces of asian american literature that i was just like oh damn we get to have this right this neo-noir type of book and again it's not like the type of narrative that i got to see growing up mm-hmm. or that i would have been exposed to outside of looking for looking for this type of literature right
0: and since i'm new to discovering this. This book club. Can you just reflect on the the rewards that you have found in engaging with the folks who have come to these meetings, and maybe talk about how you know the misperception might be that every one of these books is going to be like a Viet Tan Nguyen, and it's going to be a, a difficult subject. Some of these books are just slice of life stories that are about representation, not just hard topics. They're just important books to have in your in your, uh, exactly. periphery. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I think like one of my favorite things about starting the second year of virtual book clubs is having the liberty to pick books that aren't necessarily like the best of, right. right. They're just parts of, of, of much broader and much more like textured, uh, conversation. And so I've really enjoyed people like, slamming on different books that we've read and feeling comfortable enough in a shared space where we may not physically know each other. Yeah to to be able to have like more uh, difficult not difficult but differing perspectives on the writing mm-hmm. and uh one I, I really actually i really like that um most of our participants aren't in michigan mm-hmm. they're across the country we've had people call in from singapore we wow. have people on the list from canada and from the uk um, so it is like the list service is, is really large there's almost 300 people that's awesome about 20 people a month. And so there is a gap in participation, but that's not what we count. We count the fact that people are still on this email listserv and wanting to get these updates and um, recognizing that people have different lives, different people with different schedules and- They could
0: still be reading it. You just don't, yeah. Exactly, exactly. That's
1: why we do guiding questions on the, um, on the website. That's why we try to make it again as accessible as possible to get these books. So people can either read it on their own, on their own time, or in their own book clubs. Like, I don't personally care if you're not joining the book club or mm-hmm. conversation. I care are you reading these really interesting books. And to your point about the, like, not super serious books, um, the second book we read this year was part of the uh, I Q series, which is a cozy detective series. right written by a Japanese American author who grew up in um, South Central LA Mm -hmm. and like writes of like characters that he knows. And so we had a whole, while it's a cozy detective series, we actually had a whole, whole conversation about what does writing black characters as a non-black author mean? Right. And what does writing different characters from like from a different perspective mean? So it became semi-serious, but we still, everybody got to read a really, uh, really casual book.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or like uh, one of my favorite books the last two years or whenever it came out was this graphic novel called I Was Their American Dream. And I just, mm-hmm. I just loved the energy in that book and her voice. And obviously it's a graphic novel and it's very colorful. And it just gave me a whole new perspective. But what was it like? I mean, you've been at it for three and a half to four years now. Do you feel like you've got the whole facilitating a book club thing down? Um, that's a whole subtle craft unto itself, right? Being moderators.
1: Yeah, so the biggest difference between last year and this year is I went from being the only facilitator to me being like, hey, Fatima, can you please help? Uh, (laughs) Because uh, we have very different styles when it comes to facilitating. um, Fatima is an educator. I am not, um, but I come from a pseudo-journalist background, so um, I do enjoy just asking questions, but I have found over time that by just allowing time and space for people to answer, you get into unexpected
2: territory
1: Mm -hmm. so my job has really been about either corralling or filling in space when it's been a little bit too
2: quiet right (laughs) yeah and I I think that um in terms of facilitation this is honestly the most fun facilitation possible because one only the people who really want to be there are there Mm -hmm. and so you don't have to really try to get people to participate. People are very eager to participate and share. Um, So as a facilitator, I think our jobs are really easy. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, it's just like, can we get this conversation going? And then it'll just jump from here to there. And often I find myself very surprised. And I think this is one of the delights of facilitating a, a facilitating anything is like I find myself learning so much and I'm so in the conversation that I forget that I'm my role is as, as a facilitator.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I I really enjoy it. I think um, it's been it's been really fun that
0: way too. And I think it's been the tendency of maybe the, the mainstream media to really and critics too to really only give the attention and the acclaim to the book's by Asian American authors that are rather harrowing, that are rather heavy, that are raw, that are addressing these subjects, whether it be racism or or what have you, and those harrowing experiences. And I can imagine if someone hears about this, they might think that there might be too many heavy books out there, and it can be the tendency of a lot of readers to want some comfort food every once in a while. But what's, yeah. go ahead.
2: If I may interrupt, yeah. I would say that we also crave those things. Yeah, um, of course. I think one of the conversations that Sheila and I frequently have is that we want enough offerings that we can say this author is mediocre right. and not be like, I have to read this author because they're the only published Asian American author right. and therefore I have to consume it. Right. Uh, but to be able to have choices, to be able to read mediocre books and just kind of be like, eh, okay, sure. next that is that is such a gift, and that is such a power, and a, and uh, and and to be able to have a diverse range of it. I was telling Sheila for next year. I was like, you know, next year in July, we should pick a romance book because I want a light beach read mm-hmm. for July, <laughs> <laughs> and I think other people will enjoy it too. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, there is there is all that, but I think, and I don't know what it is, but this book club draws attention to the fact that we weren't seeing these authors getting the opportunities to reach the mainstream audi- audiences until recently, I think. We, we mentioned Lahiri, of course, there's Murakami, and there's these other big names that were out there in the 90s getting acclaim. But there's been a groundswell now, and that's I think that's this book club celebrates that. And uh, as, as Sheila said, where was this when we were younger, you know?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. I do want to say that by having the options um it actually forces me to dig deeper and so digging deeper in terms of ethnicity because i want um so there's this concept in uh pricing for like business where you think about orthogonal design um when you're trying to find the best combination of factors to to think about it's for uh, designing experiments it's a it's a weird concept but The idea is to have the broadest um, set of options with your parameters Mm to get you the best results. And so for me, that's not only ethnicity, but also genre. Mm -hmm. And so our planning document has uh, those parameters in there. We look and see how we can balance our choices uh, to, again, like add another level of conversation. But what I find is it's really easy to find Indian Hindu Mm -hmm. options. it's really easy to find Chinese Han authors. It's really easy to find Japanese American and Korean American, but it's not easy to find a Bangladeshi American. Mm-hmm. It's really not easy to find Mongolian American or any Pacific Islander representation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's when, um, so we've I've recognized that in accessibility, there's also a conversation around um, even if you buy the book, like at what price point do we feel comfortable? having a book like i don't want to somebody spend fifty dollars on a book but if it's a ten dollar book that's probably okay if somebody wants to to join buy it to read for the book club yeah because um i do take it very seriously to have as much variety as possible also to like again the asian american experience isn't just upper class indian chinese japanese and korean americans it's working class it's undocumented people it's people from this huge swath of what we call Asia, but maybe they don't identify as Asian. And that is, um, a really important part of what we try to bring to the table mm-hmm. and why our books aren't solely like the Lahiri stories or right. the, um, the, the woman who wrote, uh, Amy, Amy Tan stories yeah, of or, course. yeah, it's a little bit more complex than that. And you brought up Murakami in. Mark Kami is like a purely Japanese writer. He's not right. Japanese American. And that becomes another part of the conversation of what delineates it as Asian American or Pacific Islander in America. Mm-hmm. And that's a, another, when like, people have emailed me saying like, oh, can we have Canadian authors? I'm like, different experience. right? Might be a different experience. And right now, like we really want to focus and hone in on what makes the Asian American experience so different.
0: Talking about libraries difficult question here but in the wake of the spring and summer of 2020 in the wake of george floyd a lot of libraries mobilized and created reading lists and lots of posts on their websites focused on social justice this book club has also existed in the span of time where we've unfortunately had to see the hashtag calling card to stop asian hate come about and you saw libraries again reaching for Books, I think that's telling, and then this book club has been there. And maybe the obvious answer is yes, but did were those being able to meet and have conversations with people, was that any source of healing whatsoever in terms of looking back on the difficult year that we have had and just reflecting on how books can be that source of at least momentary catharsis? Heavy question, I know. I'm sorry.
2: No, please don't apologize. Um, I love this question. The answer is definitely yes. I think that this last year and a half has been difficult for so many reasons, least of all, which is like the racial trauma that's been perpetuated in in the country. But just the pandemic alone and having like completely and utterly shut down our social lives or other ways that we connect with other people. So in a lot of ways, this book from, this book club for me and the meetings, participating in these meetings has been a saving grace during this time because I got to have a sense of community. I got to know these people. And as Sheila mentioned earlier, 90% of our participants are repeaters, right? They come every single month. Even if they haven't read the book in full or only barely started or whatever the case may be, they still come and participate in the conversation. And I think it goes to show that it's really because they're craving that community as well. And, And in that way, it has been healing. We may not have spoken directly about the hate and the discrimination against Asian Americans during this time, but I think that that's always an underlying thing of how can we hold space for each other? How can we be that soothing bomb, right? And, and sometimes it's just to be in community and to to have fun and mm-hmm. to not think about <laughs> everything else that's going on, because we're constantly thinking about it, we're constantly processing it, but we really want to just have a space where you can have fun and you can have mm-hmm. joy. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is, is a cure.
0: Right. Absolutely. I mean, the books bring joy, the books generate empathy, it, the They generate the connection, the community. So it's huge.
1: Um, I mean, kind of to that point about empathy and to Fatima's point earlier about um, books, or at least just reading about different experiences, helping each of us guide, or like create a guide for for the path forward. Um, Something I've been thinking about in the last two weeks with the um, pullout in Afghanistan is the parallels of refugee resettlement in the U.S. between Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, and now Afghanistan and there's overwhelming support for how the, having refugees in the United States, but the stories that we read from well, specifically the refugees, the short stories that we read earlier this summer um, by uh, have me thinking about the ways that we as an American public are not educated enough culturally to provide like that sense of home and like that sense of comfort to many refugees. And what does it mean to be culturally competent enough to help resettle refugees from different parts of the world, especially if from parts of the world where through, well, in this case, 20 years of media telling us how backwards the culture is, how do we like undo that to be better hosts to new people? And that's something I cannot stop thinking about with the resettlement that's happening all, all across the country, which has been devised to target areas of already sizable Afghan populations. But at the same time, what does it mean for the rest of the country to, to develop that cultural awareness to not perpetrate any other form of xenophobia or Islamophobia? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all of this is, I can directly attribute to having read one set of short stories in the way that I'm thinking. And that's like, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And it says a lot about the value of diversifying your reading list.
0: Yeah, just one story, and then all those ripples, and it sticks with you. That is amazing. Now, we are literally at the end of August, so have you already discussed What Lies Between Us? Can Do you have any fresh memories of having, that's your most recent on the roster? Can you tell us a bit about that book, about why you chose yeah, it? Yeah,
2: so our, um August Reed. Uh, we have only had one discussion with the Ann Arbor District Library um, about it, but our book club discussions are actually this weekend. Great. <laughs> um, what lies between us is written by a Sri Lankan American author. It's about the life of a young Sri Lankan girl who moves to the states and grows up here and also just is a survivor of trauma and kind of just how she moves through life processing, but not quite processing trauma and the impact of that. And uh, it is a, our discussions have been really around just how the book uses the, the first person present tends to really capture you and pull you in. Um, it shares the psyche of this like young girl then who then becomes an adult woman and how she kind of moves through things or just, the ways in which we get so caught up and then we really see the impact of trauma on the brain. At least for me, that was a huge takeaway. It's like, I've never seen writing where someone has depicted so meticulously just how warped your brain can be with unprocessed trauma and, and the impact it can have and the distortions that can exist. And so, yeah, that was, that was a highlight for me. And um, I had the opportunity to live in Sri Lanka as an adult and,
1: the macro set of trauma that everyone on the island has experienced over the past 30, 40 years between um, an ongoing civil war and then the repercussions of that after it was quote-unquote ended is not really explored in a lot of literature, um, especially coming from the island. And the diaspora isn't huge, especially in the arts. And so it's really hard to find that type of sensitive uh, depiction of trauma but there's also the interpersonal trauma that is depicted and that is a, a thing throughout culture so you are able no matter where you're from can have empathy at least for the interpersonal and then add on that layer of the uh, geopolitical which I think makes it a truly interesting book and um, another huge theme in it is motherhood which is a, such a issue the author Naomi Munawira uh, does such an incredible job of not stigmatizing it and not having an agenda with the conversation of motherhood. And that brings in, that allows so many different types of readers to connect with the the story. And um, it is a heavy book, but I thought it was really important to have on the list, again, not too many Sri Lankan American authors. And that the topic was um, really important, I think, to have a conversation about within a community that is only in the U.S. because of forms of trauma, like, Mm -hmm very few Asian Americans are actually here trauma-free.
0: And then coming up, we have this book called Bright Lines, which I was just reading up on the author, I believe is of Bangladeshi descent. And that is in your September book. Yes. Fatima, did you pick that one? Did you guys, and then do you, do you switch off? Did you switch off picking, I guess? But if you want to tell me a little bit about that book too, that'd be great.
1: Yes, I can uh, address the first part. This yeah. year, um, it was just me doing the, the, cur- the curation but we're working together for next year's uh, book list together, which helps like spread the beautiful work of reading a lot. Yeah. Uh, but no, I like this book. I was familiar with the author from online spaces and actually got to, to work with the author in a different capacity
0: before. So um, That's great. That's Tanwe Nandani Islam is the.
1: Yeah. It uh, goes by Tanais now, but yeah, that was, okay. that was the name that she wrote under before, but I'll let Katna talk a little bit more about there in the book.
2: Yeah, I have actually not read this one yet, so my knowledge is fairly limited, but I'm very excited to read it and to have another Bangladeshi author too. Um, and, and there again, there's so few Bangladeshi American authors published out there right now, so for me, this is actually really exciting um, to
0: have that. Yeah, which brings it back to those, those opportunities for whatever it's, whether it's an indie publisher or a big publishing house, to get those opportunities to reach the audiences, and then so many wonderful things can happen. And the connections are those wonderful things that can happen, and I just find it to be inspiring and beautiful that any of us, fellow humans, anywhere, can connect over a piece of art, whether it is a book, film, what have you. That's that's what it is there to do, and you're doing it, and it's just bravo. And I just I, I admire it. That's all. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. And yeah. what I'm hoping will happen with libraries as people feel more comfortable going outside and congregating yeah. libraries again is. That um, people can take the book club, can take the guiding questions and go hang out in their library courtyards and talk about the books. A very fitting place to have a public, like a public space to have a conversation. Yeah, that's right.
0: So, so one of your meetings is facilitated through Ann Arbor District Library, and then you have a second meeting?
1: So, we have three now. Uh, It's it's fun. Like the Ann Arbor District Library does online book clubs for their YouTube channel, and they wanted to work with us for those. So, it's just Ann Arbor District Library staff. And then we have two uh, at the end of the month for our members, um, one Friday night one Saturday afternoon to accommodate
2: life and time zones. Yeah. And I will also plug that um, occasionally we talk to authors on our Instagram. So please do follow us at BC. And uh, this Saturday, we're talking to the, uh, the author of this month's pick, pick and Naomi. When we're, um, So we're really, really excited to, so awesome. um, to have a conversation with her.
0: That's so awesome. At, we'll link to that Instagram in the show notes, and it is unerasedbookclub.com. And uh, just keep making those connections. Keep facilitating those connections. You guys are doing great work. And, yeah, hopefully people can come into their library. We see libraries, whether it's Ann Arbor or Ferndale or what have you, as veritable community centers onto themselves. So hopefully people can keep connecting over books. And uh, it gets us through things. It's, it gets us through these tough times. Um well, Sheila and Fatima, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been great to talk to you.
2: Thank oh, you so much for having us. Yeah,
1: thank yeah. you for your time.
0: And that was Sheila Lau and Fatima Hawk of the Unerased Book Club, and it is... So inspiring to hear how powerful a book can be or just one short story and how much connection can be forged through that and how much enlightenment it can bring. And yes, even catharsis and just getting us through tough times. Book clubs are here for that. Libraries are here for that. So again, thanks to the Unerased Book Club, we'll be linking to their website and social media in the show notes as well as a little bit of info about their next book, their September book titled Bright Lights. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. It's a little too quiet. It is the Ferndale Library podcast, and it's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. The music you're hearing at the beginning and the end of these episodes are by a local artist known as Zunset. If you want to support this podcast, go to ferndalefriends.org. You could like or leave a comment on iTunes. That helps us find more listeners. Or You could just tell a friend about it. And if you liked this conversation with the Unraised Book Club, share it to social media. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening.